Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do they say action? I always said, like... Let me just think about all of the movies, the feature films I've been in. Um... <laughs> Yeah, to my recollection, they do. Yeah, certainly in the last seven, I've done. They've done that. I'm just. I. I want. I guess the broader question I have is, I'm always interested in like the different theatrical and movie vernacular between the UK and America. I feel like I. I don't know the answer to that. I think. Yeah, from any like movie extra I've seen, yeah, it's just it's that's a universal thing. Well, Everyone says action, action. It's so like there's one yeah. I, I encounter like marker. What's marker? I don't know. Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Tommy. And this is the only musical theatre podcast with tequila shouting. And song spotting. Here, we take apart your favourite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theatre conversation. Hey, Tommy. What you drinking today? Uh... <laughs> uh... It's... I... <laughs> It, a glass of water I can see my reflection in. Nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something with like a bendy straw. A bendy straw? Yeah, like a bendy straw. Like, oh, got loops in it? Yeah. <laughs> right? Or like fruit loop milk? We would call that a crazy straw and not a bendy straw. A bendy straw would be like a normal straw. With like, like a normal straw. one bend. Yeah, in that's it. true. That's fair. Maybe we wouldn't call it a bendy straw. Although I think if I asked for a bendy straw, that's what I would get. Not one with a bunch of loops in it. No, as in I would. Oh, get you a would loopy, get that. I wish. I, I wish like Starbucks and stuff just had like crazy straws, <laughs> normal straws and crazy straws. I'm sure in our world of renewable straws that you could get a renewable crazy straw. <laughs> a metal. Here's my a aluminum metal. crazy straw. Yeah, my hipster crazy straw. Please. But I feel like if it's if it's opaque, it takes out the fun of a crazy straw. Yeah, because then you don't get to see the joy happening. You're so right. Uh, this show was the first musical to receive the Pulitzer without a production on Broadway. What show, Jimmy? Well, Tommy... It is a crazy loop. No, a crazy bandit. No, I'm joking. It's a strange loop. Uh, 
minutes till the end of intermission? Is that how the show should open? Should there even be a show? Look, it should start with what he's thinking, which is just a cursor blinking because of all of the directions that the narrative could go. A Strange Loop, book music and lyric by Mr. Michael R. Jackson. Yes, and it has had its uh, off-Broadway premiere. It was at Playwrights Horizons recently, May 24th mm-hmm. through July 28th of 2019. And it won the Pulitzer, number 10 for musicals for drama. It won in 2020. Yes. Yeah. Um, you, that was funny. You said musicals for drama, <laughs> which I just thought was like a lovely cause. <laughs> You know I, mean? I would join musicals, that. musicals for drama. drama yeah they're my favorite kind um <laughs> but yes exactly um and that was only earlier this year mm-hmm. mid like post 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 shutdown. shutdown yeah um we got some good news yeah um and exciting news and there, uh, did you know there was uh the the of all the three things that were up for the pulitzer two of them were musicals that's awesome it's always whenever i dive back into some of the history of both the Pulitzer Prize in general, but especially the Pulitzer Prize for drama as it relates to musicals. Mm. It's just such a fascinating, I think it's cool. And I enjoy watching, you know, art form that we enjoy receiving these high honors. And I always continually get the sense that a lot of awards are bullshit (laughs) and arbitrary Uh and, you know, a a kind of prestige game. I would say maybe Mm -hmm. that has changed in the in recent years maybe i don't know but also i agree yeah. with the musicals that have won pulitzers that are deserving of it i don't know i have a, a conflicted sense about it because it is a bunch of smart people deciding what the smart people thing is yeah exactly it, you know I, I i think the thing that i think because it's such a it's obviously it's an american right. institution so i like reflecting on it as a non non-american sure um and i just think it you know to look at the list because I think we talked about this before when we did... It was probably next to normal. That would have something. been... Something. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but we talked about... Because, like, these shows, in their own right, there's something very American about them. Mm. Like, yeah. at their heart, they are an American story in some yeah. way. Yeah. Whether it's, like, a moment in history or whether it's a feeling at the time yeah i would say that seems especially so in re it's in case you don't have working knowledge of pulitzer although how many how many quizzes or you call them trivias have you done in lockdown where this has been the question oh man and i've been some kind of question to with musicals of the pulitzer i would say i i would feel like i could rock it but i always forget of the icing and fiorello um I always forget South Pacific. Really? A South Pacific, I remember. I so, why. Of the icing, <laughs> South Pacific, Fiorello, How to Succeed in Business, A Chorus Line, Sunday in the Park with George, Rent, Next to Normal, Hamilton, and The Strange Loop are yes. the 10 now. And I will say, like, maybe How to Succeed and On, and maybe even Fiorello, South Pacific, and Of the Icing, I'm just not as well versed in Americana in those times because they are so far away, but do mm-hmm. seem to be. I, I think you're right, very emblematic of the time when they were time. written. You know, yeah, and like really capturing some very zeitgeisty, appropriately zeitgeisty thing. Exactly, exactly. And I think like, yeah, the fact that it's a strange loop, yeah, now is really good, yeah, <laughs> and no. quite telling. Yes, and, um, yeah, and an important thing. I mean, obviously, like 
there's been plays in between all of these it's not just right this the only time um but i could not tell you a single one nope. um so for us in the way that we view theater yeah through our musicals lens this is a big to me it's a big moment like hamilton kind of paved the way for this sure to happen yeah um but i think as we go on and, and we talk about the show a lot more i think it, it's safe to say that um like um things like rent and even i guess maybe next to normal of these like very original stories mm-hmm. um there's not really anything like this show yes yeah i would agree with that i think it does trade on a lot of tropes of its mm-hmm. form but very effectively and yeah. in, in a new a fascinating new and interesting way absolutely and but i just think like in terms of at its heart and its its content yeah to the basic point of content oh yeah this doesn't exist i it's, <laughs> i mean i haven't felt challenged <laughs> in this yeah. particular way by a musical in a in any other way that i contextual can contextualize this is a challenging uh, yeah. show agreed agreed and in, in a way i'm like good yeah about time. <laughs> i love it and i love it and i'm excited to talk about it um for sure for a ton of reasons did you i slept on this show honestly um yeah i didn't realize that it was last year it, i thought it was like because when obviously the the pulitzer got announced yeah i thought it had like maybe just opened off broadway yeah at the start of this year and i was like oh no yeah actually i i have a, a good good friend who we both used to live in chicago and he moved to new york when i moved to denver um mm-hmm. and maybe mid you know 2019 he did send me a text kind of out of the blue that was like hey do you know anything about a strange loop i think it's really good um and my response was like huh no i don't and and that was my exposure to it and then i didn't revisit it till it won the pulitzer didn't cross my radar and you know i don't know it i feel a sense of shame about that that might be worth unpacking later i mean potentially but probably only in hindsight sure yeah you know i mean like not like hearing the title and, and knowing that yeah i don't think you would think Oh, you know, if, if if your friend was like, this is like a like quick revolutionary. Right. That, you probably would have listened. Probably would have listened. But him just being like, this kind of cool musical. Sure. I really like it. Yeah. But I, you know I, what I mean, I do think there's something and we're going to get to the, the big hedging and apologizing in a second. But I do mm-hmm. think there is something to, you know, we we live in a world of musical theater news all the time. Right. Yeah. You know, we are often on the cutting edge of shows that pop up and first to listen to and stuff to get excited about or like right when the bubbling about a show starts to bubble. Yeah. It, it hits our world. And this show didn't bubble for us in ways in a, because we were allowed to sleep on it. And yeah, exactly. is it an accident or is it a sign of the institutionalized that, like, racism? A bigger story right, that's you being know, told here. Yeah, it for is sure. a really interesting question to explore, like the lifespan of a musical, the life of a musical outside of the show itself and how, how it reaches the popular yeah. consciousness. Like, I think it's telling that I knew more about on the other one that was up for the Pulitzer mm-hmm. uh, than I did about this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you know is. I mean, and I was like, "Oh, there's this huge new groundbreaking, right?" Thing, and it's um, David Henry Huang. Yep. Like, this is so cool. And in the meantime, Strange Lip was doing its thing, right? And and <laughs> it didn't I mean? and it didn't hit your radar at all. And at it is all. it is a question of like, you know, whose responsibility is that to tell Jimmy Absolutely. and Tommy about shows, or is it our responsibility yeah. to seek it? At, you know, it's exactly. It's exactly. a fascinating question. But hey, we're talking about it now, so that's we are. Good. Yeah. Um, 
You, you want to get to the big hedging? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're really good at it, so I'm just going to let you we, take away. We do this all the time. Um, you know, we talk about stuff that's outside of our lane. This is a show about, uh, you know, a lot of black issues, about a lot of what it's like to be black and in America. Jimmy and I are two mm-hmm. white people. Um, mm-hmm. And it is, you know, always important to acknowledge that stuff that, like, we're probably going to step in it. You know, we're, we're like, I think we're conscious about this stuff and we want to, you know, be, be uh, uh, conscientious. But this is uh, uh, tricky stuff to talk around. Um, yeah, and exactly. it's important for us to talk around it as, you know, Absolutely. white theater critics, white yeah. theater commentators, whatever the hell we yeah. are. Um, <laughs> you know, but if, you know, the same way when we talk about straight relationships, we're t- stepping outside our lane. But this one... <laughs> I guess it is it is diminutive to compare those two, but they're similar. Exactly. It's um, a very different lane, yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, we're going to be talking about and, and uh, uh, assuming things about experiences that we don't have. Um, yeah. But it's also, that's the reason to do it. And I think it's one of the reasons we like theater and we like, you know, musical theater because they are representative of life experiences outside your own in a way that attempts to allow you to sympathize with them. Exactly, exactly. And I think that is a beautiful segue to start talking about what this is. Here we go. We want to know what's going on in New York. We want to know what's going on in your life. With people there living any which way. And to heck with what the B-I-B-L-E say. We want to know. What's going on in New York? Yeah, I think you just hit on the point directly there. Like, um, it, it it was interesting. I can't remember um, what publication it was. Mm-hmm. Let me look that up right now. It was Vogue. Of all things. Okay. Come on, Vogue. Um, but yeah, basically they said that what makes it so powerful is that it's not an attempt to find our common humanity mm-hmm. amongst its diverse audience. Yeah. But actually it's talking about its own thing. Um that the lyric in the song in the opening number puts it so beautifully mm-hmm. uh, to show what it's like to live up here and travel through the world in a fat black queer body. Yeah. It's not it's not for us to be like, here's how you can tell your story through this. Right. It is here's how to tell my story exactly and you can see that like, and, that's that's and, a crucial thing i think and like i think i've already done a disservice by like couching the apology in about just being black because they even mm. uh you know that is lampshaded even in uh what is it today um yeah you know i forget which thought is calling usher um but it's like you know we're gonna get you into something unapologetically black um and that, Absolutely. like, this is a discussion of, like, what, you know, what it is to be black in a black world and what it is to be black in a white world and the yeah. kind of intersectionality of that. Um, but, and also, like, to, to delve even deeper, like, what it's like to be black and gay. Yeah. Just because, you know, the main character is gay doesn't mean that and we can really relate to his experience. And that is something I really want to talk about. Absolutely. Um, and later is the, the kind of differences in things that sort of i opened yeah. me when i was listening to this so if if you too have slept on a strange loop um mm-hmm. absolutely listen to it this th- good if, morning yeah right welcome <laughs> it's great you should listen this might be if we're depending upon what songs we're including in this this might be one episode <laughs> exactly. labeled explicit um, potentially you know content warning on, on the whole damn thing 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it is this kind of uh, uh, thought exercise of the main character, whose name is Usher, uh, you know, a, a big, fat, and queer American black man, um, uh, uh, discovering, exploring his place in uh, himself and how he relates to the heteronormative world around him and kind of the white world of Broadway and the religious world of his parents. Um, and it is this, you know, self-referential looking at itself. It, it, it In the same way I said it, like, kind of capitalizes on some tried-and-true musical theater tropes or things that mm-hmm. have become tried-and-true musical theater tropes. It is a musical about a guy writing a musical about a guy writing a musical. Mm-hmm. Um and you know young talent in new york and all of these things but the whole thing's kind of flipped on its head as a a, an extreme act of self-introspection yeah yeah that that was well done thanks (laughs) i did not want to take on that challenge but i think you did it very well um yeah completely like it's uh like involved and folded in on itself yeah in the way that it is just naturally structured but i think even just in its its general presentation, like you just kind of sit on different thoughts, yeah, at different times, yeah. Like there's no, like there's not even really a a journey. Like there's well, no. I, I I for for as abstract as the whole thing is, it is also remarkably mm. narrative. Um, yeah, we follow Usher, who's this main character. He gets his name because he's an usher at the Lion King. Um. And one of the motifs is that this all might be happening in his head during intermission f- yeah. of the Lion King. Um, but we watch him kind of explore, you know, he's a, a, a budding musical theater playwright. Certainly it is a cipher for Michael R. Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think unapologetically so. Um, but his, uh, Usher is kind of contemplating, you know, his relationship with his parents who have a... a I would say a more traditional upbringing. They're not very pleased with his homosexuality or his kind of artsy fartsy lifestyle. The one thing they really want him to do with his newfound MFA is to write a gospel play in the style of Tyler Perry, whom Usher despises, um, which he, you know, kind of does and kind of doesn't. And the whole then play itself kind of becomes a representation of this gospel play that he could write. We also watched Usher, um, wade into the world of gay online dating and being a, a, a black man in that space um, mm-hmm. in, I think, some of the most difficult to listen to songs on the album. Um, yeah. And kind of, you know, full circle coming to terms with who he is. But see, do you think, so do you think he does come to terms at the end? Do you think... Do you think there is a, a full stop on it? Of it's like, a, ah, I have realized. That's a good question. And like, do you find, is the ending of this musical satisfying? Um, and it does, you know, if we're going to talk form a little bit, it it plays on a lot of musical theater tropes there. Um, mm-hmm. I was... Um, I was joking with my boyfriend earlier. What's the lyric that was stuck in my head? Um is it dick sucking or big dick daddy sucking cock all Saturday morning? Something like that. Yes. I vaguely recall. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like the tune is, is infectious and stuck in my head. And like, I can't yeah. sing that out loud walking down the street. Uh, <laughs> right. And I think like the, the finale of the song, we do come full circle 
you know, the it, a strange loop. It is a reprise of the initial song and capitalizes on that musical theater. Like, hey, it's the song you recognize from before. So clearly, we must have come back where we started. But then the whole thing does kind of end uh, like it doesn't button very well intentionally. So yeah. So it's it, I think it is very well structured to leave you with that question. Does well, I think he conclude? I think yeah. D- just because the, even in, in the last song, like he ends it with maybes, like right. they're not definite statements or like I have changed, I've gone through the fire and I've come through the other side and realized that actually, you know, change starts from within, like that kind of idea, like, right. or you don't need to change or right. <laughs> whatever the, the yeah. moral is. I mean, if any, um, if, if any moral he lands on, it's that the sense of self is just an illusion, maybe. Exactly. And, th- and that's it. But it's, it's that maybe. Right. Yeah. Which is it just kind of leads you back because the 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 idea that uh after this he'll have this awakening and will never reflect on himself again is is so silly because that's that's the whole discussion of the right. whole thing is and that this is an ongoing never ending exactly. strange loop. And that that is the you know super that is the double meta of the whole thing is that yep. you're watching the show that was written about this thought process. Yeah. You know, so so it, it the whole thing looks in on itself. Massively. Yeah. Um and I just think like I think that's that is one of the things that, that draws me to it so much is that I like I love like weird shit. Like I, sure. I really love weird shit and I love abstract things that like I, I, you know, what I mean, the presentation of an idea mm-hmm. is my—that's my job. Sure, like, yeah. I really, really love that. You don't need, you know, what I mean, you don't need to just hand me a really like pinpointed story. I love good storytelling, but I think like this is good storytelling. Yeah, well, because it reaches into a concept, right. and tells a story. Yeah, like that is yeah incredible. In in a way, you know, musical theater is pop culture, and like in a way that is accessible to the you know quote unquote layperson and i don't mean that diminutively yeah. um yeah. you know musical theater is meant to be understood and enjoyed as a loaded term but enjoyed um mm-hmm. by whoever walks in the door and you know honestly the daringness to present such a complex and nuanced self-study through this form in a way that you know would be accessible to my mother um yeah would still be challenging to my mother don't get me wrong yeah. um it's cool it's new is not it's, it's, it's very new yeah. you know um it, it, like obviously reading quite a lot about it a lot of people um obviously compare it to company sure um and i think actually michael uh, michael r jackson puts i think at the start of the playbill he says that um it's like a blend of company and passing strange mm, yeah um which is kind of fair. Yeah. Um, but you can't, like, you can see, um, you can see a lot of those ideas of just, like, because I remember when I first listened to Company, when I was obviously kind of too young to really listen to it. Sure. I thought there was a, a, a story. In right. I mean, I thought there was a plot. And as I grew up and, and watched it more, and I sort of, like, realized, like, actually, wait, nothing has happening. Like, nothing's happening here. Yeah. This is just a discussion on an idea. Right. Um, and I just got really hooked on that as a concept. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, like, alongside company, um, 
one of the experiences I've obviously had with this and the fact that the script hasn't been released yet mm-hmm. is I've only seen half the story. Oh, yeah. We're missing. I mean, we often go in. We're It's the struggle we have of not being New York-based musical theater critics. Um, yeah. Musical theater. I hate using that word. Sorry. Yeah, no, we're not critics. Musical theater. Twice, musical theater analyzers, fans, fans yeah. podcasters, whatever the heck we are. Um is, you know, we kind of have to hobble together bits and pieces of our understanding of some shows. Um, yeah, and we make a lot of effort to do so. Yeah. You know I mean, we absolutely do. Um, but A Strange Loop is, is really challenging right now because, you know, it, it kind of lost its life too soon. It's stuck in the quagmire of quarantine closings. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You know, I have no doubt this show would be on Broadway now in normal times or on its way. Um mm-hmm. Or or headed to bigger release somehow, but yeah. because we're because the world is on pause, we you're right. We only have half the story of this thing. Half the story, and so I, I find that really interesting because like so the actual runtime is uh, an hour and forty five minutes. Yeah, and the album and the is cast, just the under cast an hour. Just an hour. Yeah. yeah. So there's forty five minutes of juicy great content there that we're not getting, and I find like for a show like this, yeah, um, that's really interesting because obviously when you take in a, a piece of musical theater mm-hmm. um you really want to get a sense of the full thing and i think one of the things that's really unique about our art form mm-hmm. is that we have a kind of way in of doing that without just yeah. picking up a play script and reading it um there's a really easy digestible way right um and yeah i, I don't know i would really have loved for there to be to for there to have been some of the dialogue yeah in the cast album yeah um just to give it more of that shape because again on, on first listening if you if you weren't aware of this concept of looping and right. the fact that it always returns back to this intermission theme like that that that's something that runs all the way through it you have no concept of that and actually almost would just feel like a linear yeah like plot narrative story yeah um and i think that's really interesting so i i do really wonder that um if it does get mm-hmm. a bigger shot on broadway and, and hopefully we can talk about that later as well um if they'd redo the cast album sure yeah and kind of frame it in that way just because it, i think like that is a would probably be a better presentation of this yeah. story yeah um in the same sort of way that like uh with company mm-hmm a lot of those scenes yeah are so important it certainly wasn't on the original but in the where the spars are recording they had more of the they start including more of the scenes and the monologues and stuff yeah Yeah. and you get that actually this is a a broader discussion yeah i do think though even i'm having this realization now like even with the original company cast recording Mm -hmm. i feel like and i'm you know informing my past self so it's hard to know exactly but i feel like that still gives a more comprehensive sense of what company is that like i miss the book of a strange loop more than i think i miss the book of any other musical i've listened to yeah and i uh, know uh, the thing about that though i wonder if that's just because it's so well written you want to hear more sure sure that's fair do you know what i mean because i actually don't think i'm I'm missing out. Like, I'm not like, I don't get that. Like, right. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I don't feel fair. like I'm not getting this story. I actually do get, and for something as complex as this, right. that's an impressive feat. But the kind of dialogue that I've had in my head is, 
I want to hear what he can write because yeah. he's a he's a playwright. Like that's right. what he trained doing. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like some of the clips and things you see in the trailers mm-hmm. are really funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, d- I don't know whether that's that's it more of just like you just want more. You just want more. You just it's, <laughs> it's you. Want, I mean, it's the same longing we feel all the time. I want to have seen this show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and maybe this is the place to talk about it. Like, I, I, I'll be, I'm intrigued to see what will happen with it. Yes. Um, at the moment, there's no plans. Yeah. For it to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, I think it's getting another showing in Washington. Okay. Maybe next year. Yeah, and who knows um, these days. <clears throat> so that's its only kind of plan. Yeah. Um. But and this is this is probably far too big a question. Yeah. How does this work on Broadway? It's a good question. Well, and I do think, you know, there's I have a lot of questions about all of this. There there is this right. thought of like what does Broadway look like when we open? You know Exactly. Fascinatingly and intriguingly, like not not that the the struggle of black folk in America hasn't been a problem for <laughs> centuries. Um right. but like this show became popular and hit the popular consciousness before George Floyd, before all of the current unrest and the kind of like, you know, great awakening of uh, a lot of Americans right now. And so recontextualizing it after that is, is an interesting, uh, uh, mental exercise, um, along with, you know, the combination of the George Floyd protests and the, the awakening of, uh, uh, Broadway to its uh, uh, ingrained racism, um, and, yeah, exactly, and kind of like the outward commitment that a bunch of places are making towards producing more work by Black folk and people of color. You know, yep. here's one. Um, yeah, but also part of that feels tokenizing. Not that we shouldn't do it. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's it's very it's all very challenging. Yeah. Um, but I think the kind of the moral at the heart of it is as long as these shows are being given their due diligence right you know what i mean and not being ignored because they're challenging yeah yeah well and it is the question um, of the the marketability of broadway you know can mm-hmm. a strange loop open next door to uh the music the man, music man <laughs> right and who's like, who's gonna make enough money to be profitable and and that you know there's terrible connotations associated with all of that with the yep. implicit biases of broadway audiences and how white broadway audiences are like there's big yep. problems in there that that shows but i do wonder i do wonder that will there be an appetite like a new fresh appetite yeah for um, obviously the predominantly white audiences mm-hmm. to want to consume black stories right like will there be an appetite for that yeah yeah and it is Hopefully. i, I mean know. i hope so <laughs> this is a good way in because it also discusses that the intersection of like you know how blackness lives in a in a, in a white world um yep. especially on broadway and like this one you know names it in some very yeah. real ways um absolutely so it's a good one for that. But I know that the question for all these things, and it's always the awful question, but like if it's not selling tickets, then it can't exist. Exactly. And obviously Broadway's a, a big old beast to do that. Yeah. And we've seen some very good stuff fall on it that sword. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So 
Um, yeah, it's a tricky, good, interesting, challenging. It's a huge, que- huge question. And I will also acknowledge, you know, we talked about it. We've talked about it over and over again, even a minute ago. But like, we live in such a fucked up world that being on Broadway is considered the pinnacle of American right. theater, right? And that's right. Bu- bullshit, even though it's true, mm-hmm. um, and creates a huge slew of problems. Yeah. And that, but that's the thing is like, actually, I don't know, would I want to see this on Broadway or would I want to see it in the Playwrights Horizons? Right, exactly. Like, like I think I would want to see it in Playwrights Horizons, but yeah. I want it to be on Broadway for a variety of other reasons. Yeah, exactly. You want it to have the scale and success yeah. and the longevity that comes with a bro- yeah. being and a Broadway show. Frankly, in the same way that I felt about Title Show's journey. That mm. it was absolutely, I'm sure it was better in a smaller house and I'm so mm. pleased that it got its time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, sure. maybe that, th- maybe I'm part of the problem in that thought process. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Yeah. It, Who knows? Yeah. It's, a, it's interesting to grapple with that. Exactly. I have a feeling we've got a lot more grappling to do in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, shall we grapple some more? Let's go. Let's grapple. Thought it would learn me if I let it burn me. All I ever wanted was to show that I was tough enough, big enough and strong enough to slow down a speeding train. I'll run the bulls in Spain. I swerved outside my lane. My brakes went out and now I'm broken. Still I beat myself up. Still I knock myself down. And still I flip myself off in the which makes me feel really bad Which makes me feel really good Which makes me feel like the stupidest asshole Robber wants to hit the open road But I keep dwelling on the past I pray that someday I will change Stranger things have happened Each time I try to chart my course Wild horses throw me off by force So Jimmy, Broadway's racist it is, yes. Um, and it, 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 like a lot of things in America, it's ingrained in a lot of institutionalized racism. Um, and it's also like a sick joke um, mm-hmm. be- because so much of this like vaudevillian musical theater style, as a lot of musical styles in America, their you know its origin is in black history and you know whether exactly. it's like <laughs> you know whether it's jazz and ragtime or you know the what whatever it is we're imitating with minstrel shows like right it's all that history is all there and so it is such a a, a sick joke that there is this whiteness to broadway um mm-hmm. and it is really interesting and like it's interesting reading reviews of this show especially from like stalwart white reviewers who are part of the institutionalized problem um mm-hmm. like it it's you know in the start of the show um usher says something along the lines of like uh critics are gonna uh accuse you of navel gazing um and ben brantley's review starts navel gazing becomes a highly invasive procedure <laughs> like you know read yeah. read the fucking room ben brantley um yeah but like, but then it's it's interesting. Like that instantly is interesting because you hit that crossroads of if 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 Ben Brantley really firmly believes that this is navel gazing, right? Does it you know impinge on his own critical integrity? Yeah, or exactly. Because he, you know what I mean, like by not mentioning it or just by you know being like this is the best show ever, right? 
without looking at without it, acknowledging that's their, that's it exactly like reading their spot in the thing is a fascinating yeah. question and there sure. is so what is interesting is to all these critics kind of talk around how like brantley says something like um let me see if i can find the quote um and it's all set to a bouncy Broadway beat with an assortment of the kind of infectious, richly harmonic melodies that would have your grandparents leaving the theater humming. That is, if they hadn't walked out before. Mm. And he's right, but what he's talking around is, and it, this is what uh, The Great White Way talks a lot about, is this thing that has become categorized as like the white sound of musical theater. Yeah, exactly. And this is the sick joke about it, is the white sound of musical theater is so much informed by work of black artists that goes right. underrepresented and blah, 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 blah. Um, because that's what Ben Brantley's saying there. He's, he's, right. he's not saying it's the bouncy side of Broadway. He's saying it's the bouncy side of white writers. Of white Broadway. <laughs> and this is, you know, the I, I have been coming back to, because Hamilton discourse is back in the Twitterverse mm-hmm. nowadays, and, like, people talking about Lemonel Miranda, um, and that, like... You know, uh, I'm so pleased that Lumenmo Miranda now has this opportunity to write things like Moana um, mm-hmm. and like stuff outside of quote unquote what he's expected to do, right? Mm-hmm. In the Heights has an urban feel and mm-hmm. Hamilton has rap in it. And that's what we allow, you know, non white people to bring to Broadway that kind of exotic sound, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say this with huge sarcasm quotes around Absolutely, it. Yeah. And one of the wonderful divisive things about a strange loop is it absolutely capitalizes on that you know big bouncy broadway sound and is and yeah. makes you question what happens when a black man does it right mm-hmm. and do you feel weird about that watching that happen on stage is that you know tugging on your implicit biases in a way that mm-hmm. makes you uncomfortable or that you have to sit with you know and Usher calls it out of himself, embracing his inner white girl and, you know, all all of these things throughout the whole show. And so, like, that is one of the powers of this thing is if you just, like, if you pulled the words out and just played the instrumentals and, like, asked someone who didn't know any better who wrote this, they'd probably name or compare it to a slew of white musical theater authors. Mm-hmm. Um and so, and like that is a lot what Usher is, you know, contemplating in this world is like there, Broadway is a world of whiteness, unfortunately, mm-hmm. or has been. And I'd like to think we're trying to change that, but mm-hmm. it certainly hasn't changed in monumental ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's quite interesting. There's a really good interview um, with Michael R. Jackson where he, he kind of talks about his beginnings and. Um, his origins in, in musical theatre writing. So <clears throat> he um, he started off, he was a big p- piano player when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went to, uh, I think it was NYU, mm-hmm. um, to study playwriting, even though he'd never written a play before. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of got through that. And then after that, uh, did his MFA in musical theatre writing mm-hmm. um, and composing. Uh, but it was quite interesting because he said that he had a really, um, like, <laughs> a, quite a, a good uh, Broadway influence or a good musical theatre influence. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, the first show that he saw um, was Showboat. Mm. 
that you saw with his mum. Yeah. Um, what a what a really what a first show to see. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but it was it was really taken uh, with obviously this kind of really interesting portrayal of racism mm-hmm. this really sweeping score um and you know did the classic thing of your first musical you burnt the cast up about like of course you know, yeah really loved it um then he saw raisin okay um which is obviously the the musical adaptation of raisin, raisin in the, in the sun. sun yep um then he saw west side story mm, okay um so like he's really <laughs> he's yeah like good themes of uh and then he said the one that kind of changed it for him um and he became obsessed with was um was with uh william finn mm, okay. <clears throat> excuse me in the 70s um and he says like in trousers yeah in his opinion is one of the best things that's ever been written uh despite the fact that bill finn hates it sure uh but he just think just in terms of its like musical complexity mm-hmm. how challenging it is in terms of its themes yeah um and he's, he is completely right um and then he also cites a chorus line. So like yeah. as a as a, a musical theatre Yeah, that's a good like, that's uh, as good a package as you could get. Yeah, that's I awesome. I mean that's that's the sort of like where should I start in musical theater listicle I wish I could write, you know? Right, exactly. And I think I think like that is actually quite apparent yes. in that you can see that in a strange loop, not in terms of like, oh, you can hear William Finney, you right. can hear yeah. Gersh- but, uh, Gershwin. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. But I hadn't even thought about kind of the, you know, in Trousers Falsetto Land kind of mm-hmm. like issue musical. Right. Exactly. Like really challenging and very honest, frank stuff. Like, yeah. It, like in Trousers and the, the whole of the Falsetto trilogy, like it, it's very no holds barred in terms of right. what it was talking about, yeah. especially at, at that time. Um, and yeah, I think it just taught him to live dangerously yeah. when it came to writing, that it wasn't like, you need to write right. X, Y, Z. Yeah. It was, you can write your truth. Yeah. Um, and he had lots of really good mentors um, as, he, as he sort of went through. Um, and also he speaks quite a lot about how inspired he was by uh like female pop rock artists mm-hmm. um so tori amos he cites is a, is a really really big one and yeah an artist called liz fair who he seems to be very obsessed with uh, and actually like in the original framing of the show uh he wanted to write because she so this is spiraling as a, a topic but, <laughs> um he she has a song called strange loop Oh, okay. Which is based on Douglas Hofstadter's term of a strange loop. Right. Um, and he wanted his character to be writing a musical, uh, like based on on that her. Yeah. Okay. And that, um, and that's why it was called a strange loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then couldn't get the rights to her music, um, and was told that he should just write his own thing. Yeah. Uh, and then that in turn led it to be become this like self-referential thing right um of a strange loop yeah. you know what i mean which is again a strange loop in its own right yeah very interesting yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah just like again though these ideas of like because obviously tori amos is very again has a lot of candor in her writing like she's quite no holds barred yeah and i think if you're a young gay guy mm-hmm I think a lot of young gay guys really empathize with Tori Amos's music. Yeah. Um, especially at that kind of uh, formative years, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I think just all of these really incredible influences yeah. have taught him to be fearless. Yeah. Um, and 
that's really good yeah <laughs> like, it is really good rather rather than to go that path of like yeah how can you be successful and make a mint right he's looked into okay how can i create something that is honest yeah and important well, and it significant is, it is such an interesting I, I i agree with you that he is fearless but i think it is a different it's like a fearlessness through vulnerability because oh, like for sure yeah. i would say you know Lin-Manuel Miranda casting, you know, a bunch of people as color, uh, people of color as the founding fathers, that's fearless, you know. It is, yeah. And whereas A Strange Loop is fearless, but also has this, you know, it, the whole thing starts with, like, can I really write this? Um, and there is still a, a, a contemplation of, <sighs> appropriateness is the wrong word. Um, mm-hmm. it, it should, it's honest. It's just yeah. pure out and out honesty. Yeah. Um, um, and, like, and I think I think that the honesty and the vulnerability yeah. is what stops it from being wanky. Yes, yeah, it's what stops it from being the way Ben Brantley means navel gazing. Yeah, absolutely. Because at no point did I think it was right. <laughs> you know what I mean? At no point did I think it like it felt like that. Yeah, in a way that it's like okay have a great time Michael right like, and like a lot in, of in a way a lot of reviews kind of talk around that and I I, I find it very frustrating mm. um you know and everyone's entitled to their opinion but I think the the prevalence of white critics is part of the problem um yeah exactly I mean like it, it, absolutely it's, it's semi-autobiographical right but not to me not in a way that feels like I'm you know sitting in someone's living room right looking at my watch wondering when i can go right like, when like are you done yet no it's it's interesting it's fascinating yeah. and is more you know title of show is navel gazing and i i dare anyone to show me a, a, a review that uses that word right. yeah, you yeah, know yeah. like there's and whether they mean to or not there's a difference here yeah exactly exactly um so yeah i, th- I that's i think one of the, again one of the things that makes me really appreciate it mm-hmm. is that like stark honesty yeah um with how he handles the various themes yeah that he talks about when i i love and perhaps they acknowledge it in the 40 minutes we don't have in the book but like Mm -hmm. he's an usher during intermission at lion king and that's all we say but lion king is such a fantastic exploration of blackness in the a musical theater space from a different era Absolutely. um you know and representation with a question mark um and like you know a lot of white people for a predominantly white company getting together to create a piece inspired by an animated cartoon with animals and then like giving it a distinctly and important african flavor with mm-hmm. certainly some appropriate african influence but Mm. like you know i've watched plenty of interviews with julie Taymor, and she does have a a bizarre exoticism around african theater and asian theater that is you know somewhere between like are we letting a white person into this space or is this appropriation um and lion king absolutely treads that line plus then add on the commercialization of disney um right and we'd start to enter problematic territory pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But also really important, you know, a, a show cast with a ton of black actors on Broadway in 1997. Seven, yeah. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, 
all he says is it's intermission for the Lion King. Like that's the great stuff about this show. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, like I am not culturally worldwide, worldwide to understand and fully comprehend a ton of stuff in the show. And I know it. Um, and like th- what I love about it then is I can still see the points where like I have stuff to learn, um, yeah. you know, in the points where like, Oh, I get it now. Um, yeah. it, that's a, it's a, I, that's, I think that's what I mean when I say challenging is it, yeah. you know, I know there's a lot I get and I know there's a lot that is not registering with me uh-huh. um, or flying over my head. But I think, like, don't, don't you think it, it it makes you want to yeah, absolutely. seek out more information? It's not to the point where you're like, I don't get it. Right. And it's, and it's not where a world, it's not also where I want, like, musical, explain it to me. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. like, you know. No, not at all. Like. It, I don't think there is an, I don't think there is an explanation at the end of it. Like, right. I, I don't think that exists within it. Um, But there's, you're right, there's so much room to be explored. Yeah. And it's, it's cool i hate when i end up on yeah that was great <laughs> boring description we'll that as a thing. it's cool <laughs> michael jackson is like yeah this has totally changed his whole thing like pulitzer sure totally <laughs> it's, cool. yeah, it's, it's important it's 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 i'm so glad this is a part of the uh 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 the canon the paradigm the yeah the, the, the conversation corpus. exactly um you know it is a voice certainly that has been lacking in popular musical theater um, absolutely and it's a shame that you know it has to come out so unabashedly this way um you know it is it's also a thought i've had about some of the racism of, of broadway um and what i mean when i say it's so great that Lumumo miranda can write songs for moana is like mm-hmm. we don't we still kind of expect, you know, non-white authors to write non-white stories. Like mm-hmm. there isn't, you know, there isn't a, a, a an analogy to the Music Man coming to Broadway by black authors. You know, yeah. something that's just just a, a musical theater story, right? There is this expectation that, like, if you are out of the in-group coming to Broadway, you have to write about your experience um, mm-hmm. in order for it to be important. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a grand shame that, like, there aren't more black authors on Broadway and, pe- you know, yeah. person of color authors on Broadway. Yeah. Well, you're approaching one of the big themes of the show there. Mm-hmm. So I think now is a great time to pause and talk about themes. Let's go there. I am lying on the couch. I dream that I'm flying. Flapping both my wings so hard to keep me from dying. With the crown of God forsaken thorns on my head. Like all those black gay boys I knew who chose to go on back to the Lord. All those black gay boys I knew who chose to go on back to the
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, so like on, on, that, on that point there, like I think that is really interesting because that's one of the biggest things that um, Usher struggles with throughout the whole thing is like what kind of story do I want to write and yeah. then layered beneath that is well what kind of black story mm-hmm. do I want to write yep um and this is where the the kind of Tyler Perry world and, and combat comes comes in yep that uh the the show that he he thinks that his parents would want um is this kind of Tyler Perry style yeah uh very broad and uh, stereotypical yeah um but comes from a place of like honesty you know i mean there is an honesty and a reality to it in its own right yeah um but that isn't necessarily his reality and that's not necessarily what he like wants to put on stage yeah exactly yeah um and then kind of what I love is just what explodes out of that. Oh, yeah. That, I mean... It's a bunch of questions. Like. Well, and also, like, the whole... Um, what What's the song? Is it Tyler Perry Writes Real Life? Where I'm Harry motherfucking Tubman and I've got a problem with you. Exactly. Is, oh, man, what a great line. And, like, all yeah. that follows. Um, and then <laughs> 12 Years a Slave here, which is not a person. Slave. Like, it's all... It's so, well, the fact that Whitney Houston would have a problem with him, you know what I mean? Right. Writing it's so, a show, like. it's so wild. Um, but like the, I, I can comprehend that, you know, like mm. I, I see that. Have you ever seen a Tyler Perry movie? No, I don't think I have. Okay. I had a look through. Um, yeah. But no, I didn't, I didn't actually even really recognize any titles. So I, yeah. I don't know if it's something that's necessarily made its way. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not terribly UK centric for a ton of reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. The I had a, 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 a boyfriend in college who loved them. I feel the need to specify this, but I don't know why. A white boyfriend. Um, uh-huh. The and I don't know. You know, maybe I'm exploring something there that's weird and a need to specify. And he really liked Tyler Perry movies unabashedly. Mm-hmm. You know, just because he found them entertaining for no particular reason. So we went and saw a couple. Um, right. You know, and certainly much more popular with a black audience. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of discourse around this that I am, I am, you know, only able to scratch the surface about yeah. both the, the the problems and the goodness of Tyler Perry. Um, uh-huh. You know, which I do think there is, if I can put my own analogy on it, th- there is this sense of people in an out group becoming famous and then running into problems that way. You know. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot nowadays with how we're canceling Ellen DeGeneres. Um, mm. Certainly a pioneer in gay rights and gay representation in media, but now kind of really out of touch with a lot of stuff. Um, right. And I, I would imagine there's a, a that's an analogy for, uh, you know, some Tyler Perry sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, 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 again, it's it, because it's, it's not a story that, 
I have any, you know, sure. because it's not anything I've grown up with at all. So I, I, I don't, I just, I don't really know. It's, it's right. the answer. I don't really know the, the, uh, what's that word? The conflict. Sure. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't get a handle on it. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing that I, I feel like I could directly compare it to. Like thinking like, what would be the show that my mum would want me to write? compared right. to what I would want to write. I can't see a huge yeah. Yeah. Distinct, well, that, you know, discrepancy there. And I, and I think that's the sort of thing why I'm even really reticent to make the Ellen comparison because that's mm-hmm. not, it's, it's its own. It's not the same. Yeah. It's its own thing. And the show yeah. is trying, of all the places, you know, where I say like it is breezing past some references, it makes you understand Usher's distaste for Tyler Perry what a Tyler Perry <laughs> show is, a flavor of why it's problematic. Absolutely. And why and it's, it's he's defi- struggling with it. It's definitely something you could recognize as well. Like I remember um, I had a conversation with a few of my friends recently about it, weirdly in the context of Drag Race. Fascinating. Um, and like how Drag Race is contributing to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? About contemporary black culture. Mm-hmm. Um and actually, well, what, like, obviously, Drag Race does have quite a strong uh, black representation yeah. on its show. But what facet of black culture is it representing? And is it giving you a good broad spectrum? Or is it giving you quite a narrow... Like a, some kind of stereotypical or problematic Right, slice. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it's that thing of, like, is it better than nothing? Is it, yeah. you know if it's still like i say it still comes from a place of honesty it still comes from rupaul's childhood right do you know what i mean yeah um and therefore it's still authentic right but but there is this like fetishization of of authenticity that becomes problematic right um and it's it's just i think it's just a really interesting yeah discussion to have because now as we are as as more black stories are being told, mm-hmm. it is that idea of like, what is kind of what is the story of of now? Like, yeah. what is what's happening now? Yeah. Well, um, and there is, you know, I think this happens in any kind of group, but there's also a ton of infighting about what that story should be. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a, a I will remember this wrong but there there's lots of uh when obama was president there was plenty of discussion about like what a, a fine upstanding black man is and yep. what a fine upstanding black man isn't and yep. what the differences between those things are and how those are connotated in you know poverty and uh, you know urban upbringing and some of this stuff um and you know the the ever-present uh 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 cloud of uh civil rights problem and slavery in the united states and how that problematizes a ton of this conversation Mm -hmm. and like saying you know and i i think they mention it somewhere or maybe i read it as a line in a review but like how usher's mom talk mentions obama like name drops obama at uh some point like that's who you should be like um and that becomes you know a problem when you're trying to tell the story of a people there is a responsibility there it's all it's it's multifaceted i think it'll be an, it. an eternal struggle forever and right you know to to be a conscientious media absorber as we all should be like mm. it it will always be the the 
viewer's responsibility to try and be aware of how they're being pulled in their perception of these things. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's that, it's the, um, it comes into that double consciousness idea that, again, I've only come across as a term <laughs> yeah. listening to and really researching the show. Um, but yeah, that, that idea as a concept that as a, as a black person, particularly in America, um, you, you have these two different perceptions of yourself. You've got yourself as you yeah. and then yourself as viewed by this white lens mm -hmm. um, and how you position yourself. Right. And how you navigate that. And in between both of those. Exactly. Yeah. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. And it, and it, fascinating. And it is like, I think that is part of the appeal of this show is, mm -hmm. and, and I say this gingerly is there's something that that is easy to identify with that challenge because it is so plainly represented in the plight of a black person. Mm -hmm. We do have these moments of self-definition versus group expectation, right? Mm -hmm. That is, you know, like that. Those are the parts that get to me. And it, it, you know, you see Usher also struggle with it with his queerness, which is perhaps where I more acutely sympathize with it. Right. Um, but there is. You know, it's terrible that blackness is kind of a vehicle for this discussion. And I don't want to minimize it by saying, like, I feel that, too. But I feel that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, like that. And that's what I mean by presenting it gingerly is I have no yeah. idea what it's like to be a black person in America. Yeah. I do sometimes feel like the out group in an in group and trying to navigate straight spaces or spaces right. with older people or you know all or gay things. spaces or gay spaces yeah for sure um, right and th i think that that's the thing is uh that that going back to that quote earlier um about it you know the musical isn't trying to bring this sense of oneness and you're not it's not like right. try and find yourself in this show exactly it's portraying this thing but i did i must say like i really appreciated yeah uh, all of the songs discussing what it's like to be a gay male yes a gay black male yeah. but also the step up from that of right. being just a flat out gay male that doesn't fit the mold yep um and obviously it goes into a whole other realm mm -hmm. when you're a black gay male oh yes and you don't even fit <laughs> you know the white mold right um as as well so uh, yeah i it's, i deeply appreciated those songs the, i really really appreciated them my my first listen through exile and gayville was yep. was the turn for me was was the point where my brain was like oh this is okay okay um we're going to talk about a lot of stuff here aren't we yeah you know and it and unabashedly so absolutely but I'm so grateful. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like, so so grateful. It, it it's just it it doesn't get talked about. No, enough. Like no. I don't I don't think like that. I still think even now that there's such a an idea that because as as gay people we're a minority, mm -hmm. therefore anything within our world is right. hunky dory. Yeah. The, there's all, like an inner this. minority there. There's a great, it came up uh, during this year's canceled Pride Month because it was Ramp mm -hmm. Month. Um, but there was a great uh, like one one panel comic of a bunch of, you know, 
shirtless, twinkie, attractive, speedo-wearing white men standing on top of an iceberg, and mm. then every other subcategory of queer, like, crawling right. underwater, trying to get up out to, like, reach the top of this iceberg. Um, and it was a very visceral, you know, <laughs> illustration of this problem, right? Yeah. That there is this, you know, uh, uh, cis, white you know, gay male homogeny that is assumed of queerness in mm-hmm. America, in the world, who knows? Um, Absolutely. That becomes a big problem if you don't fit that mold because yeah. it's still a, you know, a fighting minority. Like certainly, <laughs> certainly white gay men are oppressed and certainly much less more than tons of other letters in the alphabet right and subsets of queer existence exactly um so yeah i was just i was just very like i say grateful that it it was there as a conversation because like at the moment certainly in london um there's a lot of white writers white gay writers writing their Mm -hmm. story yeah and whether it's grinder the musical or whether it's you know the the fifth chem sex play in three months yeah that's all about extremely attractive men having sex with each other and it's you know they're trying to warn you against chem sex like no it's just you're just this is just porn yeah um nothing against porn love it dearly but uh like it's not you're not telling the story you're trying to tell um I found this so refreshing because I was like, this is the reality of Grindr. Yeah. Like this, this is, this is what Grindr is. This is what any of our hookup apps are like. Oh yeah. No. And it, like, I love how much, uh, uh, Exile on Gayville, like names, names and calls it what it is. And like, you know, it, it doesn't paint it as this like utopic, queer as folk style right everything's gonna be difficult but okay that like no there are also shitty gay people in the world yeah or that it's just like meme worthy or just like camp like camp gay fun like i don't know like i just thought it was really slick and again that raw honesty and so Um, clever and i didn't catch this um until like i was listening earlier today that mm-hmm. the last stanza of that song um which is presented uh, uh, without accompaniment like it sounds open and vulnerable my dick too small my dick too small too fat and black to live it all so why don't you just ravage me with your white gay dan savagery yep and i had oh, did heard you that hear damn i heard damn until I got ah. there, and like Dan, and when I heard Dan Savagery, I was like, "Ooh, right, exactly." Oh man, exactly. oh man, and you know, to unpack one simple reference, but like the fact that like Dan Savage, as you know, who started the It Gets Better project, absolutely. Um, Dan Savage has done a, a lot of wonderful things, a for ton the of wonderful stuff, but no has question. also positioned himself as this kind of like, it, you know, gay sex advice icon, but absolutely comes at it from a privileged white cis gay perspective that doesn't take into account a ton of other stuff right Uh, uh, including otherness right yeah exactly (laughs) a a crucial part um yeah yeah, like i i just i I think again it's it's not just what i love about it is it's not just there as like uh here's the grinder song right Mm -hmm. yeah the fact that 
it, it comes back again in the number oh, man. with Daddy. Oh boy. Which potentially one of the most challenging musical theater songs ever yeah. written. Oh yeah. Um and after that, Boundaries, which mm-hmm. is probably my favorite song yep. in the show. Um because like if we're talking honesty and vulnerability Mm -hmm. that number and everything it discusses is sensational that so basically the way i get if you've not listened to it yet um he has uh i mean he has this hookup yeah uh with a sort of uh, meth-addled racist basically who's just fetishizing him for his blackness um and treats him so abhorrently yeah it's it's vile um but i I don't doubt that it's a huge reality yeah (laughs) and 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 he participates in it which is a lot of what the discussion of boundaries is about Uh and so that's it so boundaries is this kind of like morning after um sort of walk of inverted comma shame um where he's going over why did i let myself do that what part of me allowed that to happen when i know fine well that's not something i want to do yeah but yeah i hate myself so much that that's all i felt i could do that that's all i felt i was worthy of like i was just like that that is you know (laughs) as a piece of theater full stop let alone musical theater yeah i just think that honesty and vulnerability is sensational and i was really like really disarmed by that song like i thought yeah. it was incredible oh yeah um, the the whole the whole run of the you know back half of this show yeah. is debilitating yeah exactly because it is it's like it's it, it goes back to the idea of like does it have a, a full stop it doesn't it's just like it's realizations but not necessarily problem solving yeah you yeah i mean it's, it's like acknowledging naming. yeah yeah and that's obviously so destroying because you're like right wow yeah wow they're living with all of this all times and it's it's situated in a world you know where where usher's talking about himself and you're not you know you're not supposed to read yourself in and you're also running through your head like yeah you know where are my boundaries and you know i do think there are a ton of you know get Man, gay sex is, I think, like a lot of perceptions of sex in general has a. There's the reality and the the uh, what people think the reality is, and there's a right. huge disconnect between those things, which causes people to have all sorts of inner turmoil about these things. And hundred percent, you're you know you might not be reading yourself into the character in that moment, but you are similarly having a self reflective, you know, analysis of your own eye of your own ego yeah. and where it sits in relationship to some of these things. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I could, I don't know where I would begin having a conversation with my straight cis friends. Oh man. My difficulties with sex. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And let alone it, if I was a black man having to yeah. also layer in how race factors into that. And yeah. race fetishization like oh god it's it, wild it, it's wet it, and yet he's done that like i, yeah. I just can't yeah. get over the fact in a, that in a way that at, like and i meant it like 
these are conversations, uh, you know, that absolutely. would be impossible to have with my mother. But if I took her to this show, she'd get it, right? Uh, well, I think she, she. Well, I don't know if she'd come to as much I don't of know an if understanding his mom as would me. because of the right, yeah. But my mom would. <laughs> you know, the other side of things. But yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, just. I, yeah i don't know stand up and applaud like it, it's i'm just so it's so well and even you know like uh uh precious little dream aids is god god's punishment like well my first time through i i had to like hit pause and take a breath mm. it i it took me a minute it and i don't know if a musical has ever made me do that maybe um uh bear i had some moments where i just right. needed to yeah, like yeah, 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 take yeah. a break from the art to process my own self well um, that that was something i wanted to speak to you about was obviously we had, we spoke about this in the last i know episode. yeah religion but and yeah obviously we've got very different perspectives on this i didn't i didn't grow up religious at all so i don't have i mean yeah. i've still got the sense of catholic guilt you get living in sure. any sort of <laughs> right you know, but not i imagine to any near the degree that you would you know yeah uh, it, it's you know it is fa- like and this show talks a lot about, you know, gayness and relationship to religion. Um, Usher's mother is is poised. Both of them, mom and dad, like, they are unkind in how they talk about gay people. Um, yeah. You know. But also the heartbreaking fact that they're also so in love with him. That they still love him, which is, which, right. like, what a what a piece that is not explored in media, right? Ever. Uh, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like, it, it's so. They're not it, the tropes we paint. It, it, not either like like you you end up with three right you either end up with oh you know you're a fucking fag i'm gonna kick you out of the house good luck with your life or i'm gonna be a p flag mom of course we always knew you were gay ha 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 i'm gonna wear rainbow or the like i've struggled with this and i've recovered and i've now learned to accept and change my ways you don't end up with the like talk about it Right. You don't end up with like the, we love you and we don't like that you do this and you're going to go to hell if you do. And we're going to tell you that exactly. and remind you about it a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's... And again, it's so freaking on it. Like it's so, Yep. it's so raw. It's so yeah. real. Like, yeah. I don't know. When even like, I would say my, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on, on pod and I'm going to be a little mm-hmm. vulnerable for a bit, but like, I think like, you know, I, I I knew I was gay in fifth or sixth grade. Um, and I have some of my earliest memories of coping with my own homosexuality in Catholic school. Um, in our uh, big church, there was a like a lot of Catholic churches, a giant naked dead Jesus on the cross and like a loincloth um, yeah. and the white version of Jesus. So he had a six pack and a chiseled jaw. And like yeah. I have Hipster distinct... Beard. Yeah, exactly. And I have distinct memories of being sixth grade me in the pew at church thinking Jesus is sexy. Yeah. And you're doing it in church, the place where God can read your mind and like having the terrible thought about like it's really, you know, it's a terrible trap to put someone Mm -hmm. in. Um, and absolutely affected, you know, why I am, I'm sure, as outspokenly anti-religious nowadays, mm-hmm. because what a terrible thing to do to, you know, a 12-year-old. Um, but I think even beyond just some of the religious stuff, like, I think our generation, well, I don't know, 
I'm going to make some assumptions here, but our generation in particular happening after the AIDS epidemic um, creates for an interesting entry into the, the world of being gay. Um, Like I remember when coming out to my parents, you know, they were accepting and great. And the one thing they said, and they said it vaguely, but there was like, you know, they were like, wear protection. We don't want you to get sick. Um, and like well, that was their big worry, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, snap. But I think mine, my mom said specific. I, I don't want to call it my mom, but specifically, AIDS is a is a big problem. But you know, yeah. I mean, like that was that right. was the the conversation that we yeah. had. Yeah, and they're, I mean, when they I weren't 15, wrong. Not what? Sex. <laughs> right, I know, right? Like, that was the other, like, Mom, you have a much greater <laughs> opinion of... <laughs> Plenty of time for that, don't you yeah, worry. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, like, that was their understanding of what it yeah. meant to be gay, right? Exactly, that was the identity. Yeah, um, and, you know, it, it is... Walking through that, living in that, navigating that... While in reality, like AIDS is God's punishment as this kind of opus that Usher is writing to fulfill his parents' wishes of writing a gospel play informed by what their opinions of gayness is compared to Exile in Gayville, probably a more accurate description of what gayness is right now, which would absolutely terrify Usher's parents, right? Mine too, to know kind of how promiscuous a lot of gay world can be or is assumed to be or is expected to be, right? Uh It's just seeing those paired with each other. It's another little thought moment of like, not my story, and it's stirring a lot inside of me. Yeah. I I think one of the things as well with with AIDS has got punishment, AIDS has got punishment, AIDS is God's punishment, Uh is... uh, his like mum's relationship with that song Mm -hmm. and kind of how that fits into the structure of it being in his head slash also you know potentially a reality like this could have happened this could happen this could be happening Um, right but obviously his mum you know towards the end of the song telling him to to stop right and to stop singing it, and he ends it with, you wanted a gospel play, this is the only way I know how to do it. Right. Um, and, it, but, like, I just find that, again, like, a really interesting and quite a challenging thought of, like, yeah. um, this is this is what, this is what I would present to you, this is what you've taught me. Right. Do you know what I mean? That, yeah, this is what you, you wanted. Know. I think, like, the right after that is one of the most moving parts I find is, you know, the... Usher's mom is like, why would you write this? Why do you, you know, tell people you hate us so much? And Usher's like, I don't hate you. I, you know, I love you. I write this because I love you. And it yeah. is such a, it's a challenging thought. And, you know, just to, to wrap your mind around, like, isn't this what you taught me, mom? And not, not in a, you know, go exactly. suck it, right? Exactly. Not in a, not like, in a, like, you made me this way. This, look what you made me do. Get right. Out. Yeah. But in a, like, this is what, isn't this what you think? It's, it's hard. It's hard to listen to. It's hard to talk about. Right. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. It's what makes it a great show. I love, and then, man, the the last bit of this show, then to, like, 
ease us into memory song, yeah. which is, you know, starts about like the struggle of being a, a young gay kid in a locker room. And like, man, yep, feel that one. Also, that's the first song he ever wrote. Really? Yeah. Uh, of course <laughs> that it is. crazy? And not that's... just like the first song of the musical. It's the first song he ever wrote. Oh my gosh. That crazy time? Yeah. Because it, it, it's it, very good. <laughs> it's very good. It is, I mean, I think it's one of the most vulnerable songs in the show, right? For sure. You know, I... I you you see Michael R. Jackson singing it like it's yeah. There's it's so on point. I struggle to even put commentary on it. Right, right exactly because it it kind of it really speaks for itself. Yeah, it's like it's like being asked to like annotate someone's personal diary. Yeah, it's um, just so honest. Absolutely. And it, it, there's something about as well, there's something about Memory Song that um, it reminds me of the denouement of uh, Life of Pi. Have you read Life of Pi? I've not read Life of Pi. Tell me about it. Oh, it's a big old spoiler alert. Okay. but I will I probably no never point. read it. I forgot no how to read after eighth it. grade, so. Well, for anyone listening, because I really think this needs to be read rather than listening to someone discuss it. Uh-huh. Um so for anyone listening, uh, if you've not read Life of Pi and it's been on your bookshelf or it's been on your things to read, and really everyone should read it, it's a sensational book, um, skip ahead <laughs> five minutes or whatever. Um, anyway, the genome of this book, basically the, the whole of the book charts this boy's journey after he's shipwrecked mm-hmm. um, with uh, four yeah. animals. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of goes on this crazy survival adventure in the mm-hmm. open sea, taming this tiger, uh, learning a lot about how to, how to survive at sea, goes onto this very strange island um, that's inhabited solely by meerkats and this kind of like flesh-eating plant. Like, it's very fantastical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so like I say, at the denouement, um, a journalist comes and speaks to him. Mm. Uh, once he's he's been discovered and back in the hospital, yeah. a journalist comes to speak to him and is like, I don't believe your story. Like, it's too fantastical. That couldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, well, I could tell you the story that uh, it wasn't for animals. It was me, my mum, my dad, uh, a cook who was mm-hmm. going crazy um, from the thing. And actually instead of the animals eating each other it was this cook who was going crazy in amidst the survival and the being shipwrecked that he killed his parents and Mm -hmm. he witnessed that and he survived all of this he said i could tell you that or i could tell you this other story of you know these animals and this fantastical thing and it's it's however you take it i'm bastardizing this is why i didn't (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah but anyway um there's something about that kind of like taking a step back mm-hmm. um, and kind of exiting your own story. Yeah. Um, that I feel memory song does for me. Like, I don't feel like it, it, it sits in the story. Right. Not, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. I'm not saying like, it doesn't fit, like it doesn't work. It absolutely right. works. And it yeah. absolutely is in the correct place. Um, and again, wish I had the book because I would be fascinated to see yeah, how, how we get there embedded yeah. in the story. Um, 
but I don't know for me there's something that it's it's just it's a, a different level of honesty compared mm-hmm. to everything else yeah it's really it, it feels like you say this feels like Michael R. Jackson you know stepping out in front of the stage and singing his own song before going back and letting the show finish like it, right. it has that vibe and it's so I think that's one of the things that makes it so powerful is it just it rests somewhere else yeah but it, it, in the, the show in the same way it also like codifies the show right right exactly because it's it's not it's not a new idea it's everything right. that the show's been talking about yeah um, in a new very yeah it's it's like, non-metaphorical way it's a way back to then from title of show it's you know i i i feel tinges of there's this commentary of like yeah memory and storytelling and you're right stepping outside of the story for a second in a way to reinforce the story because that's the thing is like if, if we're living in his head yeah surely we're encountering a lot of his memories and he hears him saying well these are my memories right and they they actually a lot of the times fly in the face of things that he's been talking about you know what i mean you you get this idea mm-hmm. that he's had maybe quite an awful childhood because he's had these homophobic parents and mm-hmm. um this resonation in his head of aids is god's punishment like right. he has that there but actually what he talks about is a very it's, it's a lot more simple not to take power out of it but yeah uh, you know what i mean by that it's not we're not dealing with big dark ideas there's no yeah um it's not the mother from Coraline. like it's right it's it's very simple life yeah and, and within and, that this is the kind of birth of all of these other thoughts right and like some some big big problems i do think you know one one of the things that makes me sad at night is the the plight of gay children which mm-hmm. is a lot of what memory song is about um is like you know to i think gay kids have to grow queer kids have to grow up so quickly that they lose out on their childhood and end up with like yeah. a reversed childhood um yeah. and there's something so sour s- sorrowful about that um that i really feel in memory song mm-hmm. um i don't know it makes me sad <laughs> um yeah yeah and i think i i get again because there's no answers in this show right which is great um i think i think there's a part of me that's sad that uh he's lost his religion yeah 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 you know what i mean and it, it, it's interesting because there's a there's a framing within this song obviously towards the end mm-hmm. um where he says, like, all those black gay boys I knew who chose to go on back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and for himself, he says, I'm one of those black gay boys I knew who chose to turn his back on the Lord. Yeah. Um, and there's, it's, it's a shame that it has to be one or the other. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a tragedy. I, the, yeah, I think about this. A lot. I thought about it a lot when I was, you know, coping with my own homosexuality. And I think I was very early on to like be like, ah, well, I'm gay, fuck religion. Like that that transition didn't take too much out of, you know, my own mental health. But I do see 
you know, and the, the framing around religion being enforced by his mom and some of this stuff is what to me makes it even more tragic. Not that my mom did similar things, but like mm-hmm. you put yourself in that position of like religion is a great comfort to those who have it, right? Absolutely. You know, you, there's this place you're going to go when you die and everything's for the best and Jesus is watching out for you and like all this stuff, right? And I'm sure like once you start to study it, you know, sociologically and psychologically, it makes a lot of sense. Like, of course, humans are going to invent this big man in the sky who's going to solve all your problems because that's what mm-hmm. we crave, right? Mm-hmm. To the point of, you know, delusion, honestly, uh, yeah. or y- y- if you're in my perspective. Um, a- and to lose all of that is also such a huge tragedy. Yeah. Or to have all of that and know that, or, you know, believe that your your son will lose it all is a fantastically huge tragedy. Yeah. Um, my grandma, um, who is <laughs> 92, um, used to live near, near Chicago, like down the street from where I grew up, um, you know, like we, she introduced me to singing in the rain when I was in like fourth grade. Like she's the reason I love musical theater mm-hmm. bar none. Um, moved to Oregon when I was in eighth grade um, and used to secretly tell me that I was her favorite grandson. And I much suspect <laughs> she told everyone that. Um, but I, you know, moved to Portland when I was in eighth grade. We went out and visited two years later. Um, and she told me in confidence, Tommy, I moved out here to die and I haven't died yet. Um, <laughs> and that was when I was a sophomore in high school. She's still alive. She's still there. Wow. Um, yeah, coping with herself. Um, starting to lose her facilities a bit. Um, you know, and I, I adore my upbringing with her, but I went out to visit maybe two years ago. Um, and like, she's racist. She's probably mildly homophobic you know it comes down Mm -hmm. to her upbringing and all sorts of stuff certainly and i you know i don't apologize for it but it's what the reality i live with Mm -hmm. um and it was interesting visiting with her again because you know i adore her and love her and we've never talked about me being gay but Mm. she did on one point she mentioned like you have a you have a special friend don't you which was just a fantastically comedic way to deal with it Mm -hmm. um and then we would talk about other stuff and she's losing her facilities a bit. So it's all rambly. Um, but then she started to talk about when she was very young, uh, her parents got divorced and she was raised by her grandma. Um, and in a time when getting divorced was probably as poorly looked down upon as being gay is looked down upon now. Mm. Um, and like she point blank asked me, Tommy, do you think I'm going to hell? Because she has this like deep seated, difficulty with her parents getting divorced and like it's one of the bigger i don't know it's one of the bigger struggles in my brain i've had like my honest answer is like no graham i don't think you're going to hell i think when we die we die and that's it yeah which might be a comfort instead of going to hell right but what a fascinating you know to experience it on both fronts both Mm on like an academic separated from it, you know, sociological clinical perspective. It's a difficult thought to cope with, right? But then also to cope with it 
relationshiply, you know, with someone you know and love and care about in spite of all of their significant problems. Right. You know, that there's it's such a human thing. And all of it all, you know, couched in the context of this show, it you know, Usher's story is not my story. Michael R. Jackson's story is not my story. But it does bring these thoughts to my head. Yeah, exactly. Which is some of the the beauty of it. And why it is such a, like, I like this show. It's not going to be on repeat for me, you know? Right? This isn't a go-to show. And, like, I'll listen to Sweeney Todd recreationally. Um, Right. But A Strange Loop is hard to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, and it, even that is a, an interesting thing in its own right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, nowadays what we know, for shows to be successful, right, they get on TikTok. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And like, who's get... gonna be? <laughs> I mean, don't even. Don't even oh man! Like, but that but that's the thing. So. It, and I agree with you. I, I would probably be the same. It's not something that I would just put on flippantly because I don't. I have a weird irreverence for, uh, not irreverence, reverence for material like this that I think is powerful and significant and that I don't just dip into it because right. I worry that it will lose its significance right. and its importance. Yeah. Um, in the same way, I've only read The Life of Pi three times <laughs> right. when I've needed to. Do you right. know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like... Because you don't want it to become so rote that it loses its power exactly exactly um and i feel the same i actually feel the same way about this show yeah Uh, but if it's not getting the lessons right it's such the curse of the art form right not that i think a single thing should ever change in it though i don't think yeah like i think the art is much better than yeah when i do any sort of commerciality that could be applied yeah but this is the you know we talk the business all the time and it is the big curious curiosity i have going back to your very first question you know what's the future of this show and like in a world of white producers who want marketability and where you know wokeness is just another kind of marketability yep i don't know if this fits in the cookie cutter they're looking for um like it, it does it will be a big question of how wholesale the paradigm shift actually will be in the theatrical yeah. community when stuff opens up again, when, yeah. you know, we are sitting with the whiteness we've been perpetuating and the racism we've been perpetuating. Yeah. Will, and like, the personal struggle I have with that, it's sad to me to think about a Broadway production of A Strange Loop as an apology because I could see it kind of coming from that motivation and you know it deserves so much better Mm -hmm. right it deserves to stand on its own merit but we don't you know we live in this world of tokenization and you know my college used to do what they called one multicultural play a season right right oh my god i know isn't that terrible um (laughs) so basically you mean one non-white right yeah it's fucked up um and i didn't like i was complicit i was excited right yeah Yeah, we're gonna of course look at how inclusive we are right yeah yeah Yeah, exactly right it's you know 
it's it's in the same bucket as colorblind casting. Like yeah, exactly. Good on the surface, terrible past its sugary exterior. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see how you know what the life of this show is. What you know how Broadway is when we get back. Absolutely, I really May- just I I hope it has some sort of life. Yeah. More people deserve to experience it more fully. I, you know, we deserve those extra 40 minutes. <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see, to see where it goes. Yeah. And it does. In a very I different am... way that I was fascinated about Be More Chill. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. <laughs> and, even, and even like, you know, I can absolutely see a well-meaning producer like this moves to broadway there are going to be conversations about how racy it is right and yeah exactly do you you keep it all do you remove it it's so it's so it's so frustrating Mm -hmm. right oh 100 percent. that we know it's so frustrating that we like musicals because also if this was a play yeah no questions asked yeah because plays aren't a part of pop culture. I mean, look at slave play. Um, right, you know, exa- exactly. And hugely ways, well like, received, very di- very challenging, more challenging than very, this. Very, very challenging. Well, I mean, you know, I guess it depends on your view. This sure. uh, this kind of really hits. <laughs> yeah, no, for us, I mean, it's because we like musicals, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, that that frustrates me because... yeah musical theater this yeah, yeah, yeah. frustrating thing that we have to live with every time you have that conversation of yeah. yeah when i see musical theater you hear joseph right you hear mamma mia oh yeah um you don't hear a strange look right <laughs> like, exactly well and it is how do you have that conversation with someone it is a growing like it's a frustration i'm sure we've had for years but is ringing louder in my head about like the 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 white ivory tower that is Broadway, um, right. you know, and that it becomes this, we've talked about how it becomes <laughs> navel gazy. It's New York theater for New York people and how much exactly. that excludes. And like even deeper, you know, New York theater for the people who can afford New York theater. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and that's such a tiny, tiny, tiny subsection of humanity much less America, much less musical theater enjoyers. Um, and it's it's frustrating that this paradigm has been created and seems, you know, I like to think we're finding ways of unpacking it. Um, I, I think we're certainly <laughs> entering a brave new world in a thousand different ways. It seems like mm-hmm. every, every week. Um, but like, does a strange loop have a life as a really popular or influential piece in a bunch of regional theaters and is that is that a better life for it too it's one of those things i would argue yes but how does it get in there right yeah it's the we talked about it last time it's the um what's it called now i can't remember the name of the play um almost almost main problem yeah yeah we're like you just gotta push to get that one week on broadway and then sam french is excited to have you I will say, I don't think this will do well in schools. That's fair. That's fair. I think this will do great in colleges, appropriate ones. <laughs> yes. Um, but high schools, maybe. maybe right. Not. But what a wild consideration. And w- I know we talk about that all the time. I, You know, fuck, I've made a whole YouTube videos about shit like that. Yeah. But like, what a wild consideration that like, if you want 
a musical to be to have longevity and be successful, it must be appropriate enough for an eighteen-year-old to perform in. Right, exactly. Right, what a wild thing! And it's such a loaded thing because do you know how many high schoolers, how high schools do Avenue Q and Spelling Bee, and like how many would Actually, jump at a chance to do Book of Mormon. On that note, it's not, I'm sorry to like bring up a new point just sure. as we are like tailing off, uh. but um, yeah, that's something I want to talk about is like shock value sure in musical theater where this show sits compared to yeah things like avenue q Book yeah. of mormon i like, don't i tell me describe to me what you mean by shock value uh what i mean by shock value is the thing that will make you go <gasps> okay right what you do after that yeah is the issue sure whether you go <gasps> right or whether you go <gasps> yeah oh my god I think I have a connotation with shock value that also associates it with authorial intent, which yeah, might exactly. not be well. But that, I, but that's that's what that's what I mean about the after. Sure, I think Avenue Q intends all of its shock value. Uh-huh. I, I would, I think a strange loop embraces it but doesn't intend it. Is that nuanced enough I, to make I think, a difference? I don't know. I think it intends it. I think it's. I think he's literally saying like hello this is the reality yeah sorry like there's no you know i mean that's what i mean about it coming from this place of like deep honesty but the thing that frustrates me yeah is that book of mormon is still running i don't is uh, it still running in broadway i don't know it's I don't definitely still running in london um uh fuck book of mormon um right but but that's the thing is like here's a show that is like renowned success yeah like in our lovely pre-packaged happy clappy broadway world mm-hmm. right because it is that but you'll get a laugh out of it so it's fine right whereas this is like oh my god well you i have think... a realization you learn something about yourself it's yeah. an important shock like it's not shock with a, a dig at somebody else i i think the difference is the kind of the flavor of shock because very clearly avenue q when kate monster drops that first fuck um, uh uh-huh. and they like they talk about how it's so important that that happens so early on like it's not a rhyming thing it like happens in the clear like these puppets are gonna swear at you yeah and that tells you the tone of the show the corollary to that I- in this show is when they don't say the n-word um you know uh uh it's the navel gazy line um yeah. if you can't please the caucasians you'll never get the dough because critics clinically deny us it's such a great run because critics yeah. clinically deny us then deny implicit bias with their vanity supported by a system that's distorted watch them write you off as lazy not to mention navel gazy lacking both in craft and rigor because you're just a fucking uh, yes and they don't even say it um which they don't shy away from later right and like that's the moment when you know this is a show that might drop the n-bomb Right, mm-hmm. that's the corollary to the puppet saying "fuck." Mm-hmm. It it lands hugely differently. I would wager. It it does, but I, what I find frustrating, yeah, is that that stops the strange loop from getting on wrong. <laughs> right, exactly. But I think, and it's you know because. And it is the huge problem with Avenue Q even. There's a great article, which we should link, about like the outdated uh, hand-wavy racistness of uh, everyone's a little bit racist in Avenue Q. Right. Um, and this kind of, you know, like, uh, you know, second-wave wokeness. 
maybe that yeah. we're approaching right now in 2020 um where like after kate monster says fuck you know you're supposed to laugh as an audience and like look at the person next to you and be like oh she just say that wow that's wild right when a strange loop doesn't drop the end bomb and barrels right into the next line. It might get a laugh from the audience, but it's a like, am I allowed to laugh at this kind of laugh, mm -hmm. right? Which is a different flavor of shock value. And I do agree that it is a shame because both are both this and Avenue Q and uh, uh, Book of Mormon are capitalizing on that same like offensiveness juxtaposition with the bouncy musical theater sound like literally yeah. the next line is a big black and queer ass american broadway and right. a, in a big old catchy brassy run right? right toe toe tapping everyone's doing jazz hands walking across the stage right it's the same thing yeah but because of the particular positioning of this one and the way it's commentating on something yeah avenue q is safer book of mormon is safer for white audiences they know they're yeah. still in a safe space and are going to be taken care of whereas like a strange loop is going to make you sit with some stuff right exactly um so see just to finish can i give uh, a quote from um michael r jackson absolutely um, weirdly about that but kind yeah. of also sums up literally everything else we're talking about um so the interviewer asked the question um one recurring theme of self-policing pertains to the n-word um an intermission song one of the thoughts is going to rhyme what we've just talked about um and uh later in the guardians of musical theater scene so a scene that we don't know mm -hmm. um one of the thoughts says uh you can't say n uh, there are white people watching there are black people watching um and the interviewer goes on to say it's interesting because i remember after a performance of bella i was standing with kirsten these are all playwrights horizon people mm -hmm. um in the audience and a very distinguished looking black gentleman came up to her and very respectfully asked um i just need to ask you uh, why did you feel the need to have that word in your play? Um, mm -hmm. I should preface as well, Kirsten is a black writer. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and the interview says, I hadn't really appreciated until that moment that there's a real controversy around the subject. And so Michael R. Jackson goes on to say, um, this argument has been going on since the word was created by white people. Whether you can say it or can't say it or who should say it or why I should say. Um, and my thing about it is that I respect people who say I won't say it or I don't like it but I won't be policed by them because to me, I feel like I will say it until there's no need to say it. It's mm -hmm. a very powerful word and it's a word that draws a line in the sand. I feel like I mostly hear arguments against using it from black people who think if we just stop saying it, then we'll show white people who's boss or prove that we respect ourselves or whatever. But I'm like, no, that actually isn't true. Uh, as Toni Morrison says of racist white people, there will always be one more thing. There's a wrinkle when you're talking about musicals. The thing that inevitably happens with musicals is the songs get inside you and then you start bursting into song walking down the hall, including the songs with taboo lyrics. I'm not sure if the Hair soundtrack were released today, if I would feel okay to sing along to Coloured Spade. But isn't the thing about our favourite musicals is that we always memorise the whole score and sing along with it. What is inhabiting us? Is it the composer, the character, the story? I think art is about making the intangible tangible and about creating a common language between disparate experiences. It is none of my business what lyrics people sing along with at home. I believe strongly that everyone has to take responsibility for their own choices. 
including whether to clap along to AIDS is God punishment or not. That song was written specifically because I had gone to see the 2013 Tyler Perry film, Temptation, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor. In the film, two black women are essentially cursed with AIDS for exercising free sexuality. In the movie theatre, there were audience members who nodded along and said, yep, that's what she gets. And I was struck by the dissonance of that and how that kind of thinking was completely consonant with the homophobia I had been raised with slash under. I wanted to create an infectious song moment that gave listeners a punishment and a reward, not necessarily in that order. I think our favourite musicals give us a framework for thinking about real life, which is why I love the form so much. Jimmy, I think we have to stop doing our podcast because Michael R. Jackson is going to start a pod- podcast and there's no way <laughs> exactly. we're ever going to compete. <laughs> I know. I just thought, like, because yeah. that's something, like, that, it's, that's something it's... I've, I've been that person singing along to hear. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And being like, oh, oh and even I live alone in my flat and I'm like, I Who, I mean, uh, who's sung along to Hairspray? And once a month we have our what day? Right, like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I'm not saying it's like, so now we all have permission to say whatever we right. want. But it's just, I just found it really interesting, uh, this take on it. Um, yeah. And that how much authorial intent. Yeah. He thought about with. it. Yeah. It's no accident, which is delightful. It's always wonderful to hear that the authors meant it. Because so many, Absolutely. you know, I think it's why I bitch so much about Andrew Lloyd Webber, because I don't think he means it. Mm-hmm. But... Michael R. Jackson does. He really, really does. And yeah, very grateful that he's written this. And I'm telling you, the moment his musical theater analysis podcast starts, we are sunk. We'll be guests. (laughs) Should I give up on hoping? My point of view will shift and let this agony just be my greatest gift. But if that is the secret That makes like zero sense I'll never change forever If I stay on the fence With doubts I like to find me And lust I can't express And pain I keep avoiding And rage that I repress I should stop overthinking and do the thing that's tough Unleash my hungry lion Cause Dorothy's had enough Of toxic Tyler Perry And white gay male tyranny And my secret inner white girl Though she is dear to me But would that be sufficient? Or would that be a sham? Cause even with those actions I'm stuck with who I am Someone whose self-perception Is based upon a lie Someone whose only problem Is with the pronoun I Maybe I don't need changing Maybe I should regroup Cause change is just an illusion and I is just an illusion. If thoughts are just an illusion. Just an illusion. 
Then what a strange, strange, strange loop. That was a strange loop. And welcome to Jim and Tomic's musical theater hat. Right, that's how we should. And oh, then... that's funny because loop. <laughs> Right, got it? See? The jokes. Yep. Uh, but jokes, that's jokes. not how we end the episode. We end the episode with a quiz question. Ha ha, we do. What is it? <laughs> you ready? Uh, yeah. The author of this musical allegedly likes pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. What show? Fascinating. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us... You absolutely can. Uh, our show Twitter and Instagram is at Jim and Tomic. That is J I M A N D T O M I C. Um, or uh, you can drop us an email over on our website, jimandtomic.com. We've got a few emails. Yes. And I will get around to reply to them very, very soon. It's but so, keep them coming. I love them. It's They're so fun to hear from people. It's the best kind of email to get. Um, yeah. And while you're at the website, you can also check out our Patreon if you want to financially support the show. Thank you, as always, to our current Patreons and reviews on Apple Podcasts and other podcast uh, uh, mediums, places, places, locations are always super helpful to the success of our show. Indeed. Um, But the best way uh, to help us grow is if you just speak to your friends and let them know all about the darn thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there an old episode that you love that you want them to listen to? Is there one that they want i don't know i don't know where i was going at that point um either way tell your friends <laughs> tell your friends and that's all we got thanks for listening cheers jimmy cheers tommy hey it's leslie Odom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds if you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm excited to find out what songs you picked to play in the segues to find ones. Right, me too.